Hey, 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 I'm back for Back to Back, January 10th. You're listening to Buddy's Owner, Arizona Schnoodle Walks. It's 8.30 in the morning on a Friday. It's Arizona. It's beautiful, sunshiny weather, a bit chilly. What do we got for a temperature, folks? Today, a brisk 49 degrees Fahrenheit. Heading up to 62 degrees sunshine, not a cloud in the sky. So... What could I possibly have to talk about in from the last 24 hours, right? And why should you care, right? Why should you care? Well, I spent five hours with my 94-year-old mother. And uh, you probably don't get that experience, right? Right? You, you may. Maybe you have that experience meeting with a 94-year-old mother. And uh, if you have, then you probably have a different experience than I do. And up front, right up front, it's neither good or bad. But it's yesterday was an emotional day for me. Um, And my mother's 94, so I can't tell what her emotions are. <laughs> so, so uh, she, the situation is she's in a great place. She's in a, with a thousand old people. And I, and yesterday was the first time I left. Uh, the last couple of years when I leave that place, I usually just spend like an hour and a half, two hours there. And it's usually just chit chat, you know, talk to my mom. She's fortunately she doesn't have dementia or anything. And she's read so much, traveled the world. And that's where I get a lot of my capability to bullshit like crazy, right? So gotta give credit to my family. Credit to the old family, right? And and shouldn't we celebrate our families, our backgrounds, you know, whatever we came from? And part of my uh, spiritual journey or frustration with organized religion is there's just so much squeezing into the middle, I call it. It's that Gaussian distribution curve. It's squeeze everybody into the middle. Yes, the best thing is if we're all Stepford wives, you know, Christian Stepford wives. That See, this is my naming it and complaining about it. And if I talk to anybody like that, they'll be like, oh, no, no, we're not like that. And I'm like, well, that's how I perceive it, dude. You don't celebrate our differences. And I can say that. But I need to hear feedback from people that are like, yeah, exactly. You're, yeah, that's exactly right. I don't want to be squeezed into some mold. But anyway, so back to my mom, right? So it's like I have one hell of a weird upbringing. It's not negative. It's not bad. But, you know, it's not a drama story about any, any kind of weird shit. It's just, you know, I got my mom yesterday in 94 and... I'm still putting the pieces together of my family because <laughs> it's interesting, right? Our families are interesting. They have such a huge impact on us. So, I mean, that the so what is your family impact on you? It's big. I mean, I it's huge on me, so I'm assuming it's big on you. Now, many people would say, like, well, I'll just get over it. Move on. Right. Move on. But if you think about especially mothers out there, I mean, you're you're influencing these kids and you probably get all these pressures like, oh, yeah, when I was, you know, when when I was having our our kids were like three, you know, there's a big buzz about, oh, you know, baby Beethoven. (laughs) So (laughs) so for about, I don't know, five years, they were probably marketing that really strongly, like baby Beethoven, you know, play Beethoven music for your three-year-old. Well, 
sounds good. And since I'm hyper responsive to stuff, I'd be like, I didn't do that, by the way. I didn't like get into it. But my radar is on, my ears, my brain engages on stuff like that. So if I listen to the marketing spin on that, it would be like, oh yeah, okay, well, let's play this baby Beethoven music to the kids, you know? And like, then you just kind of like, you know, slap your hands and go, all right, good, we're good now. You know, this kid's gonna grow up and, <laughs> and be a genius. You know, I mean, this is the implied marketing promise, right? Play this baby Beethoven music and uh, your child will miraculously be, you know, a genius just because they, they baby Beethoven. <laughs> and there are probably some positive results out of it, right? Probably some positive results out of it. And they probably had a good run with that for five years, probably sold a lot of Beethoven recordings. And, things. and, and so this podcast you're listening to, this is just the eclectic type of conversation that we have. And uh, yeah, so I don't know what to name this podcast, but I, I just wanted to share. I, I was really emotional about what happened yesterday for five hours. So the situation is... My mom's 94. She's been living in this facility for, I don't know, five or six years. And uh, it's been great. For, it still is great. And it's going to be great because the people are just great there. They're not, and, and by great, I mean they really are doing the best they can to help people that are like 80, 85, 90, 95, 100, right? And there's like a thousand of these people there. And so I was saying, I used to leave up until yesterday. I'd walk out of there like, wow, man, I am so young. I am so young. Oh, my gosh. Look at all these 90-year-olds. I got 30-some years to live, people. So, you know, and and if you're, if you're only 30 right now, I mean, your parents are probably only 55, 60. And so you're probably like, yeah, I get it. I get it. You're talking about old age. People get old. Yeah, I get it. And you, and you probably dismiss it. And you're probably like moving on to something else. You probably don't care. It's like you, you may have young kids or something. And it's like, yeah, okay. And you're too, and you're busy. You're busy with whatever you're doing. And yeah, we all, in a weird way, I'm finding it. I feel like I have this male privilege thing I want to deal with. I don't know why I guess I'm coming back to that because mothers, women, it's like you get, you're abused, man. <laughs> and I chuckle because you probably know it that you don't get uh, any respect, man. No respect. And and so here, my mother's influenced me still like 60 years later. She's a huge influence on me. And a lot of good things. And then some not so good things, yeah. So down Gaussian curve, right? So uh, the issue with my mother is uh, she's about this is I, I I have to put things in numbers all the time, right? So she has she's an apartment, really big, and not really big, but for you know it's like I don't know eight hundred square feet, thousand. And she went from a 3,000 square foot house, right, for 25 years. And then she had to move into into the 800,000 square feet. And she brought, you know, her favorite stuff, but not everything, right? You can't fit 3,000 square feet of stuff in 1,000 square feet or less. So she's got like her primary artwork, paintings, memories, books, bookcases, you know, she's got a nice little setup in three bedrooms. But unfortunately, she has to get out because they want to tear down the building and rebuild, you know, a little more modern, better facility. Because this facility is, you know, wants to keep up with expectations of future 
90 year olds like you <laughs> right bud bud right so lord willing you will be a future 90 year old and i'm closer to that than you are more than likely and uh so yeah it was a bit emotional looking at that going you know this is where i'm headed to I'm headed to the mom stage and I'm not ready for it. And you're probably not ready for it. And probably none of us think about it uh, soon enough, maybe. I don't know. We just live. Right? We just live, which is okay because, I mean, my that's maybe why, why I gravitate towards just live in the moment, people. You know, you just got to live today. It's 49 degrees Fahrenheit. The sun is shining down on me. And how can I give joy to the world, right? Give you some joy, right? Give myself some joy, right? So my mom is there. And she doesn't know what to do now because here's the dilemma too. It's like they, there's 26 people now probably between the ages of 80 and 100 that need to move. And there's a woman in charge of making it happen. And she's doing the best job she possibly can, but it's complicated. Right? <laughs> and, and, and it's kind of funny too. There's some humorous parts to this. It's not, it's not like a downer, right? A hundred percent downer. Morning. And uh, big dog across the way. They're uh, probably about a 90-pounder. It's okay, but he wants to play. Bud, growling. No, bud, we're not going over to say hi. All right. He's pulling on the leash, man. So, yeah, so my mom and these people are all in this place. It's just a fascinating culture. So if anybody wants to write a book about it, the stories, the experience. I don't know. Maybe that'll be my next calling. I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> Five hours yesterday, people. I came to keep repeating it. Five hours with my mother. So what we did is we got to make a plan. Right? We got to make a decision. So the next level of care. So she's been living by herself for six years. And she's had a few falls in the last year. About 12 months ago, it's like, it's like living in the moment kind of hurts sometimes because you forget, you don't always look at the past. So 12 months ago, my mother was like dehydrated, very extremely low sodium in her blood. And so she was like falling down, passing out. But she, it's, it's getting sodium levels. It's something we live when you're 25, 35, 45, you just consume food, you're doing stuff, and you're getting sodium. I don't know if you drink Gatorade and stuff or whatever, but when you're 94, you, you, things start happening. You can drink too much water. You could watch a TV program and say drink more water. But if you drink just water, then your sodium levels go down. And then you fall over and, and hurt yourself, and then you're in the hospital, and then you're out of it. And you're freaking out and you're, you know, that's what happened to my mother 12 months ago. So everyone's optimistic. Oh, mom, you're fine now. Yeah, just just make sure you get sodium. You're fine. Well, it's been 12 months and she's kind of winding down and I probably don't want to face reality. Well, I don't, what does that mean, face reality? I mean, I don't want to tell my mom what to do. Of course, I want, you know, she's still, you know, fairly intelligent, although... She says some wacky stuff sometimes, you know? So is it like, how do you measure on a Gaussian curve where she's at, you know? I mean, for 94, she's like kicking ass in a lot of areas, right? She can still hear. My mother, my wife's mother is going to be 80. So like 15 years younger, but she can't hear worse shit, right? So... <laughs> 
<laughs> so my mom is like on the hearing scale. She's huge, right? She's like an outlier. She can hear. She can hear really well. And uh, uh, my mother-in-law was 80. She's got hearing aids in. We're yelling at her, shouting. She nods and uh, big schnauzers. Hey, happy new year, 2020. 2020, we're excited, right? Nah, it's, oh, come on, man. I got stories for you. I got, I'll give you a quick one. So I, in Germany, I worked at a factory that makes jet engines for $80 million corporate jets, right? Okay, so they make, that's all they do is make engines for Jeff Bezos, the rich get richer, right? But I'm like, if, if there was no income inequality, nobody could buy the corporate jet, right? I want Jeff, we love rich people. We love them, okay? So, but my German friend who's living in communist Germany now is telling me he hates income inequality. And I knock him on the head. I say, Jens, for the last 30 years, you would not have a job if Jeff Bezos didn't exist. So shut the hell up and get back to work. Yes, we love the man. <laughs> Thank you. Have a great day, man. All right. So I got that off my chest. Jens. You son of a bitch and your income inequality shit. <laughs> I, I calculated probably 30 years, six weeks vacation. That motherfucking German. 180 weeks of German. I mean, of vacation. 180. On American scale, that's like 90 years of vacation time. <laughs> All paid for by the man who are this mysterious, the man. We love rich people on this program. Come on, come on, people. Oh, let's not be nightish, my favorite German thing. And I can't get it, I can't get through to Jens. He won't, admi he won't acknowledge like, oh, yeah, I guess I see your point, Mike. I fucking made a living off of rich people for the last 30 years. I've had 180 weeks of vacation. I've spent like probably 20 weeks in Italy, in Tuscany, you know? Oh, oh, why? Oh, oh, because of Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, Elon Musk, people. Is there ever a better way of looking at abundance thinking than that? You know, none, none of us will be able to buy an $80 million corporate jet, but do we need to? Is that <laughs> Do we really need to have a corporate jet? Now, the corollary is, because we can't have one, does that mean other people can't have one? You know? So, it's all a transformational thing that we're going through. We're all going through it. But we, most of us probably never get there. I'm on the curve. I'm working on it. I'm probably in some ways further out on the curve in a good way in that area, but I suck in other ways, right? I suck. I have my, I'm really suck below average in a lot of other areas. And what I'm trying to get at is for myself and maybe for you too, is like, we all have strengths and weaknesses. And it's still that loving people, right? So I, I love Jeff Bezos. I love Amazon, especially you writers. You gotta love Jeff. And I can remember uh, flying to Boston from Germany. I had like my first laptop in like 1994. 1994. And I was like, laptop, reading on my laptop on an airplane. I'm like, dude, somebody's gotta get a device or something that you could read a book electronically because 
I don't want to carry books around with me, but I don't mind having a little electronic device and I could read a book on it, right? And I'm like, great idea, dude. Great idea. But I had no, I, it wasn't my calling to make it happen. But guess who made it happen? Jeff Bezos, Kindle. They made it happen. I don't know what year it came out in, but I know in 94, 95, I was thinking about it. I was like, look, laptop, I'm on an airplane. I want to read. But I don't want to carry a freaking laptop around with me. It's too heavy. It's hot. It takes a lot of electricity. Can't somebody make a little device that you can freaking read a book on? Boom. Self-publishing world. So shout out to all you self-publishers. Technology gets the message out. So I don't know. I hope I wasn't a smart ass to that guy. He's got the big schnauzers. And he's working for the man. <laughs> he's actually working for the corporation I used to work for, which I struggle struggle with. But um, yeah, so my back to my mom. So a little dog intervention, dog, dog influence. That's what happens on this podcast. It's like Forrest Gump, man. You never know what you're gonna get. It's a box of chocolates, man. And uh, Bud, where are we going? You want to go over here? You want to sniff something over here? So, Mom, this is this is a story I I had to relay to my brother in Boston. And I did mention Boston earlier about the Kindle because I, I mentioned to his wife who worked at a computer company and probably knew more about how to make that happen than I did. But she was probably like, yeah, good idea. But it wasn't her calling either. It wasn't her thing. So life goes on. We got the Kindle. It's great. We got books. We got Amazon. And that, that change in Amazon from books and electronic publishing to what Amazon does now is pretty amazing. You know, you think of Amazon, right? Buy stuff, comes to your door. Weird. It's weird. We didn't ask for it, but we're it's there. It's available. So we're going to do it. And it's great. And I love Jeff Bezos. And I love he's got a G. 650ER. And I have the tail number too because I'm a tail. I chase tail. <laughs> Your podcast host chases tail like you wouldn't believe. And uh, it's a fun thing. I love rich people. I'm not, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm probably sort of one of them, right? But that's, that's where it gets in the religious world. It's kind of fun because, you know, the little, Crab mentality buckets are like, you know, oh, rich people. Oh, you know, it's so hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Yeah, and, and that, that always is like kind of a weird discussion. Because it also gets down to like, where's the Holy Spirit? Is the Spirit? Can the Spirit can do anything. Spirit, God can do and is doing. God is doing right now. I am speaking to, to you. I don't know why I'm speaking to you, but I am. You're listening. You're getting this message. It's, it's, it's just God. It's, it's uh, my life experience with all its crappy ups and downs and shit, and I can get miserable about it. But I, I don't mind talking about it when I'm walking Bud, because Bud, Bud, Bud needs to be walked. And we have technology. Technology. This is like a, a walking devotional for you, maybe. Is that what this is? And it's, you're the hero of your life, not me. I'm just, I've got my journey. And it quite, it sucks. It seems like it sucks quite a bit. It probably does. But, um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, mother, let's finish this, try to finish the mother up. But I I do want to uh, get to uh, upsetting people i did find i read that chapter yesterday you referred to it in the podcast that it's okay upset the right people now, that's tricky because I'll, hopefully i'll get back to that at the very end but remind me will you <laughs> remind, remind me to come back to upsetting the right people so um uh we sat down. Mom's got to move within a year and a half, two years. She's got to move. So now she's got, and she's got nothing else to do but worry about stuff, right? So this is 94-year-old, sitting in an apartment, watches TV, 
that's uh, occasionally now see this is the thing she can't go downstairs she's in a third floor apartment there's an elevator but still just walking using a walker and she's not excited about using an electric cart or electric thing we look at it we see other people scootering around in electric carts but she doesn't ask for that we'd say do you want one of those things you want to look at getting one of those things you know they have all these programs you can probably get one right she's got enough money to buy one right so but she doesn't pursue it she's just kind of like eh, i don't want to walk it's just this age just aging so you you got old people in your family certainly maybe grandpa great great grandpa who knows old people out there right and uh so my mom's there and I, she's like stressing out over it which is normal right she's got nothing else to do but think about moving and they're trying they're trying to help her and we keep telling her like well the, the facility is doing everything possible to make this work for you too so they will um they will do that. Hey, good morning. Little, still a little chilly, but we like it, right? A little cool. It's gonna be 120 soon. <laughs> Some people walking by going, that guy's nuts, he's nuts. Well, whatever. Sharing some love, some Arizona love. January. It's going to be 120 in six months. That's it. Six months. Oh, it's going to happen because the temperature here will be smoking hot. I'm layered. Wearing sweatshirt. Long pants. Jeans will make it probably till March and then we'll go back to shorts again. <laughs> yeah, that's the Arizona uh, world we live in. So um, the decision is to go to this facility that's got more care right so it's they have nurses 60 people so i found out there's 60 people in these special places that they know that a people eventually get to the point where they need more care and this is not my industry i'm just an observer and you know some of you if you happen to be listening you're like in that industry it's a a noble task to look after this older generation which ironically we all get to but we all don't want to think about it because nobody wants to die you know and, and so we just want to be delusional about death and end of life so that's how i've lived i'm not i'm not, I'm not really that much different than anybody else but now my mom's there at 94 and it's like mom i think you should go to this place because you've fallen down a few times you're Yes, you've avoided falling down the last eight to ten months, but, you know, you probably should go in and uh, get that additional care. Now, the, the downside is space, right? So she, this is the whole thing. She's probably got 800 to 1,000 square feet of stuff, right? So if she goes down there, she's going to have to be squished into, like, I don't know, 400 square feet, much, much smaller, right? Maybe even, yeah, maybe 300 square feet. I don't know. But it's comfortable. They make it comfortable and it's sociable. So she just walks out and there's 60 other people there and they got food and, you know, they, it's a different little place, but that's what she needs right now. That's my thing. That's my thought. So I'm going to call Sue, who uh, was with us yesterday and I appreciate her input. We're letting my mom have some space, which which is a major transformation for me because I'm normally, I'm just like, okay, let's make a decision. Let's go. <laughs> so your, your podcast host has made a huge transformation to not be so impatient and be a jerk and just go, hey, mom, got to make a decision. Now let's go. So there's space, you know, maybe it's only been 24 hours, but I had my brother call her today, kind of talk her out. So again, 94 She's got to process this stuff, right? So we go, we look at the place, you know, and there's a guy down there that that probably been running this place for quite a few years. Experience. Nice guy. He he understands it. See, the, the thing is, like, your individual family is going through something for the first time. And the nice thing about a facility like this is 
they've already seen people go through this process hundreds of times, if not thousands. And that's where my heart got crushed yesterday. Just my mom said, oh, let me look at the screen. Oh, she died on January 2nd. You know, and then I'm like looking at the screen. I'm like, you know, services to be scheduled. Services to be scheduled. So, I mean, I'm kind of dabbling. If you're, if you happen to be a mortuary person, like maybe your family. I don't mean to be dark and chuckle about it, but this is like the reality that I don't think about, and I don't think you do. But there's people that have a business of doing mortuaries and doing the whole thing, and nobody wants to go through that, right? But a mortuary dude or these kind of places, they're in the process of the honest, inescapable, or the unavoidable suffering that's going to happen to us. So my mom's there, meets a few people. That's always key, right? So there's 60 people there. If she can meet some people, and she recognizes them, right? Because she's been there six years. And so this is the process of moving to this kind of place. And I don't know how long she's going to live. And it's not up to me to decide. I, and, and to be fully kind, loving son, it's like, live for 10 more years. It's great. You know, it's kind of weird, but great, great. And, and who's to judge? It's like this old age-old problem of like, is she alive? You know, I mean, like, it's very philosophical and difficult because what do we judge as, like, living? Because, you know, I've been suffering from, like, well, your value comes from what you do and what you contribute. So, like, what's my mom doing now? Well, she's watching TV. Hey, good morning. So, I, I heard from you. Is this your wife up here? How did you like Germany? Did you like that Nuremberg place? Yeah. Are these dogs going to be a problem with each other? Okay. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it and had a great trip. And you're going back again, right? Frankfurt. All right. Okay, good. Ryan? Yeah. Yeah. You're going to love it. All right, you have a great day. I'll let you guys go ahead so the dogs don't fight each other. Bye-bye. So, uh, Mom, yeah. That was the, the, the German couple going to Nuremberg. And uh, so they got a nice dog. But probably if we hang out too close together, then the dogs will probably fight. So... Yeah, so let's see what mom's got to decide about that. And yet she also has a choice to go to another apartment. And the choices are sort of slim, right? They're not infinite. But she kind of looked at one and she's kind of like, after seeing the 300 square feet place, she's kind of like, wow, that's a bit tight. So her brain's trying to like, imagine what it would be like living in 300 square feet and then she sees like six or 700 square feet she's like oh man huge but as the guy in the facility said it's like at some point in life you know what's more important the things or the care you get so to me i'm leaning towards mom just move to the assisted living place or a little more care just do that and uh do it do it within the next year or maybe you know just get on the list maybe it's six months maybe it's eight months and uh do that so that that might be a a plan i I don't know we'll see i'm gonna call sue and get some input from a pro that's what i'm saying is like sue's a pro she's seen this process so 
her input is valuable. And my mom's like, it's like, you know, they have these, these things you may have, one of the first things we heard about is like these power of attorneys to make medical decisions, make decisions. And, you know, people do, I mean, look, my mom, I'm so thankful. I mean, she's not in dementia mode, right? Like that's dementia mode is like, you cannot function anymore. My wife's sister's parents are, or my wife's sister's husband's parents, her in-laws, they have this huge old people's problem. They're only like 87, 88, maybe 90. It's like, man, that's my, my dad told me many years ago. I was like, getting old's really tough, man, getting old. So, uh, so yeah. Yeah. They have a different problem, you know? And that's why I'm not offering any solutions on this podcast, but there are more questions than answers, aren't there? Isn't that life? More questions than answers. And you can do it. You can figure it out. And be patient and cross those bridges when you get there. And it certainly increases the compassion level, you know, being compassionate and understanding. But uh, I was going towards this phrase that we'll need some explanation more likely, but it's from that movie, Sixth Sense. And it's like, I see dead people, right? And it was starting to go that direction that, you know, I kind of feel like, wow, yeah, my mom's breathing, living. She's made in the image of God, like all those people there. And the technology and medical care has prolonged people's lives for quite a while. So the philosophical question is like, well, what's their quote-unquote contribution to society? And depending on your culture and where you live, where you draw the boundary, you know, that, that question is like really messed with. And I don't really think we I should kind of answer that. It's like the crude thing is like, well, they're not contributing to society anymore, right? Or someone might do that from like they're not they're not on the assembly line making cars or building things or work quote unquote working, right? So that's the dilemma with my mom. And seeing people dying on the, you know, eventually, you know, your name goes up on the screen as, you know, January, whatever, whatever year, you know, services to be announced. And that's it. That's it, man. It's over. And I think of my dad, like, you know, when he was dying. I hope I did enough. <laughs> and I, I felt like I had to laugh in my heart because <laughs> I felt so compassionate for my dad. I mean, I didn't, I knew that wasn't the right thing to do. But I, it's just so sad, too. It's so emotionally deep as well. The concept that the cultures we hang out with and my frustration with organized religion because it sets us up for weird, weird situations. And then we fight. So we had the Reformation, right? So everybody's got to be right about something, right? No, they differentiate. Well, we're this way. We got this. We figured it was this way. It's like, did we just miss, are we missing the message? Are we smoking what we're selling? And so, my, unfortunately, my dad had those thoughts at the end. And that's it. Of course he did enough. It's not about doing enough. It's, it's just living. It's just, this is our experience. Something, something next. 
for something next. And we get caught up in the present. It's like the the children in the womb I was talking about, the nine months growing, developing, becoming a human and might not be perfect. I mean, they have some issues in there biologically, genetically. But they come out and they take that first breath of air and it's life on this planet. Life in this construct, you could say, in this human framework. And we got it really good. So I'm, I'm thinking about gratitude. What kind of gratitude can we what kind of gratitude can we do? I, so often I get frustrated by, you know, desires for something easier or better. And the dilemma is like, well, what can I do to make things better? So just before the walk this morning, it was early. So I called this uh, English guy that I met last year who's I guess I would call them aggressive recruiters. Like they're pushing people, saying, hey, this person's awesome, man. You need it. You need it. So he's in the industry of hiring, getting people hired, right? Connecting talent. So I kind of joke around with him a bit because he's like English, right? And so, But I think he appreciates something. And so I called him this morning just kind of checking. It's the first week back. And like, you know, like we were talking about, People come off vacation, they don't show up on January 6th and go, All right, first thing we're going to do is hire somebody. You know, it's kind of like, Ah, oh, we're back at work. Yeah, we got, we got a report due. Oh, we got the quarterly report, monthly report. Oh, yeah. Got to get the numbers together. I got a meeting on Friday. I got to present to the CEO and tell them what the status is and how the year unclosed or whatever your business is or, you know, the deliveries. Did we get all our deliveries shipped? On, December 31st, you know, we were supposed to get it and then accounting and the finances like, you know, and invoicing and like, well, you know, we did ship it on the 31st. So it does count in 2019 numbers. And, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you can relate to that. And maybe that is what you take seriously. And maybe you feel like I'm a jerk for for summarizing that in that way but it's that's what happens so people are doing those number things charts reporting blah 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 you know and since i'm screwed up in my life about making work so important and my my identity is in my work which is a huge temptation i'm sure to listen if you're listening to this if you don't have that disease then you know people that do we have that disease that we we are what we do, right? And uh, so this morning I made five actions before 8.15 in the morning, right? My wife is like nervous and stressed. And I, and I kind of broke down that she just got a blood pressure thing. And the first reading came back. I was like, oh my gosh, I started breaking down. It was like 180 over 110, which is like incredibly crazy high blood pressure. It was like 6.45 in the morning. It's like, how do you wake up with this huge blood pressure? Now, fortunately, we thought, well, maybe that's just not right. Reading was right, so we did another one. And it came down to 140 over 90, which was still on the high side, but... Man, that freaked me out. And it also speaks to you. It's one of these little electronic gizmos. So it's not like you, it, it tells you, like, your blood pressure is abnormal. You know, like, holy shit, no kidding, man. And uh, so that's what my wife is up against. And I'm like, huh, maybe I, I philosophically thought, you know, we look at people. So this is a what now for you, deeply, deeply emotional and compassionate for you, the listener if you care to apply it to your life. You can look at somebody and say, well, man, what kind of stress are they under? Yeah. And I suck at this. I'm on the I'm on the Gaussian curve. I'm way below average. Maybe you're already maybe you're already above average. But maybe you can get even better, right? Maybe you can even get 
you're more attuned. And some people are attuned to other people, right? They're really tuned in. They're very compassionate, right? But unfortunately for me, I need words. I need... I grew up in a home, I think I call it my self-awareness is kind of like I grew up in a home in mind reading mode. I had no answers. I don't know who's telling, why is this sister acting like this? Why is, why does she say those crazy things to me? You know, why do I hear this shit? <laughs> and I just buried it. And I'm like, oh shit, I don't want anyone to know I have a sister like this. Unfortunately, she was like eight years older. So like, I didn't really technically have much to do with her but then i got the aftermath of it so i was the high school kid at 13 years old and 14 years old that was driving down on sunday afternoon uh, to a mental institution in chicago sitting around all these freaks seeing hundreds of quote quote unquote freaks but they're human beings Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's my life experience. No answers. There's no answer to that, is there? And yet we, we want to squish people into a conformity, you know? Life's better when we're all the same, you know? Life's better. So we lie to ourselves. Yeah. So I'm a bit choked up about that, if you can't tell. I probably need to practice telling it so I don't get so choked up. But yeah, that's my like secret, I guess I'd say, is I grew up with a paranoid schizophrenic sister. And I, I don't know what else to do but kind of chuckle about it. But man, oh man, does that have an impact on you? Yeah. So one of the downsides of that, blind side of that experience, is I mind read. I try to figure out what, what the hell people are thinking, you know? Because I'd look at my mom and dad, and I was like, well, what's going on here? And I don't know. They just, no, no, just move on. We don't know either. Just deal with it. <laughs> but it doesn't go over well with an 8, 9, 10, 11-year-old who's trying to figure out the world. And nobody has answers for the elephant in the room. And, you know, it's probably trauma. On some level, it's just different. You know, I, I empathize with people that have had, you know, obviously the, the main thing that people experience that crushes their spirit is, you know, like, they call, you know sexual abuse, they call it, where especially even women usually get it. Some young boys, I don't know what the percentage breakdown is, as if statistics might mean shit or not, but because everybody's important, right? And you are important, listening to the podcast. So, um, dang, where was I? Why was I on that? My mom moving, goddamn. I was all upsetting the right people. So we're, we're about five to 10 minutes from finishing walking the bud. So there's no commercial at this point on the podcast. This is a free, free podcast. So let's talk about the chapter on the nine things you simply must do. So chapter nine, you must upset the right people. Now, there was one clip, and it sounds good for me because I'm contrarian, and I'm, what is the other word? The other C word, a contrarian. Uh, I forgot what the other word is. <laughs> it's contrarian. I don't know. It may be. But I upset people. And I upset Religious authority figures. Maybe even I have probably upset work people, authority figures. And likely 
I made a, I didn't learn from Germany. I had a, a boss that was a pain in the butt and I just shook it off as like, this guy's nuts because this is not what's the most important thing to do is, but I was getting, I was getting uh, played, I guess, but I was able to get out of it to another department, new boss, best boss I've ever had. And why was he the best boss? Because he kind of he defined reality, right? So if you're running a company, you have people working for you, make sure you define reality for them. And if you do, and they understand what the goals or objectives are, and you, and you say like, hey man, I support you as a boss, you're the boss, I support you. Here's our objective, we expect you to be here. Unfortunately, everything's based on salary slave, right? Work by the hour in a company. And we all probably are selfish, of course. We're all selfish. So we're like, huh, well, my salary's now correlated to the hours. So I got to book the hours. Even lawyers have this dilemma. Lawyers got to book hours, right? What client can I book for this? And it just goes into their accounting department. But I got to believe deep in the soul, people are like, all right, I'm booking 10 hours of this project because they have the money. But I only did like five hours work and I did five hours work on this other project that is not billable. So I'll just put 10 hours on the billable job. I mean, that, that probably happens a billion times and even like a million times today in the last five minutes. Around this world. So this exchanging time for money is not where the real value is and the companies probably realize it, but they have no other way of compensating and controlling quote unquote costs other than to say, okay, you're going to work here. We're going to pay you 30 bucks an hour or that activity was worth 25 bucks an hour or whatever. So that's, that's a complicated situation. And it's probably never going to be worked out. It's an individual thing. It's like I'm, you know, growing into it. And, uh, you know, maybe you're on the distribution curve. Maybe you have that figured out much better. Than so, there you go. Upsetting the right people. Upsetting the right people. Since I struggle with people-pleasing and inclusion is my number two strength, which is a really freaky, weird one, I want to include you. I want to include everybody. Inclusion. Right? And if you don't want to be included, I kind of take it offense. <laughs> if you don't want to be included in my world, you know, if you don't want to be included in how I see things, then I get kind of pissed. So uh, that's that. Hi. Yeah. Yeah. So upset the right people. And the kicker for me, it's kind of a short chapter actually, basically saying, you know, sometimes we have to take some action that uh, the main positive takeaway is like some things will hurt people. It'll hurt their emotions. They'll, they'll be hurt, but it's not going to harm them, right? So that's probably the, the justification when a company's like, well, we got to lay off a bunch of people, you know. It hurts the people getting laid off, but it, technically it doesn't really harm them. You know, and we should be able to move on to other things. So that's the positive takeaway from upsetting people. It's like sometimes we have to take action, especially if you're CEO of your company or boss. You know. You gotta take action. And it hurts. But technically, it doesn't hurt, right? So, some people are more cold hearted, so to speak, they can do those kind of things. They're gifted that way. And since I'm an includer, it's not something I look forward to. But I'm sure you learn as you go. Just one woman 
looked at my scores and said, well, I, I don't think he could ever fire anybody. So, because I'm so optimistic and wanting to see someone work in their outlier gifts. So if they do have some outlier gifts, come on, buddy. We're not going. Um, everybody's got some outlier gifts. It's just finding the fit. And uh, so, yeah, I got this weird gift or thought or whatever inclusion. The blind side is don't like exclusive groups and things. So that's why I get in trouble for with authority. Um, organized religion because they come across as not being inclusive. You know, and in my little spat debate with the dude the other day, it was kind of like, well, of course, it's, you know, Jesus is divisive. So the simple answer is like, well, you may want things to be inclusive, but, you know, Jesus said it was always going to be divisive. You know, so no one listens to the other part of the equation where it plainly says by Paul that he doesn't desire anyone to perish, right? So, yeah, in some ways, God's heart's hurt right now. This life, us dying, my mom, 94, dying. That's, that's part of the, it's part of the deal. Death, you know, so. Uh, and we, when you're 20, 30, 40, you just ignore it. It's like, yeah, we're going to live forever type of thing. Yeah, yeah, things, things are always getting better. Everything until, everything's getting better until they don't get better. <laughs> And then they stop getting better. And uh, so, yeah, I'm in my head. But upsetting people. So the, the one that hurt me was the last, there was a sentence in there. It says, but if kind people, if you're upsetting the kind and good people, well, you might have a problem, right? So in some ways, you know, it might be upsetting a kind person. And I don't know how to express that. I, I get it. And I would probably have to deal with that somehow. And say, you know, I know you're kind and things, but I still have to upset you because I want to include everybody. And I get it. There's some divisiveness in the world. That doesn't mean we need to expand divisiveness in areas that we don't need to or should do. So I can agree, yeah, okay, there's some divisiveness. There's going to be separate groups. But we don't have to create separate groups. And then just because we want to, and we think we're so damn right about stuff. We'll, so we'll, we'll create separate groups and then justify it and say, well, you know, the Bible says that that's what's going to happen. Well, the Bible also says that God's heart is that no one should perish. So what are we going to do about that? So... We're at the end of the ride here. Don't know what I'm gonna call this baby. Maybe getting old. Lessons from a 94-year-old. Something like that. But I ended with upsetting people. So I don't, it's not something I want to do is upset people, of course. But uh, I kinda maybe justify it by saying, well, there's uh, 7 billion people on the planet and we can't make everybody happy. So, you know, then we, we're going to upset some people. So, I don't know. I guess that's what I'm doing. And I got to stop trying to read people's minds and just accept that, okay. You don't agree, you know, you're upset with it. Um, 
and move on. And I got my black slides too, so everybody's got their black slides. Okay, it looks like I ended abruptly there, so I just wanted to say that I hope that was a blessing and encouragement to you uh, that uh, you will and my, myself experience grace, mercy, and peace today. And uh, I don't know when I'll do another one of these. I'm gonna, I probably should pause and take a break, but uh, I was five hours. I was a pretty emotional day yesterday, and I felt like I wanted to express it. So I did journal. I recommend journaling and writing things down, and I did do that. But these are a little bit of my verbal journaling as I walk the dog, walk Bud here. And uh, we'll go from there. So you have grace, mercy, and peace in your life. So, bye-bye.